0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today a very warm welcome to this friday edition of squat box live from london and here in kiev and these are your headlines A whistleblower report alleges that President Trump abused his power in a telephone call with the Ukrainian leader and that the White House tried to cover it up.
1: China's industrial profits fall in August as the trade war with the U.S. continues. Meanwhile, CNBC learns talks are set to resume on the 10th of October. Huawei CEO Ren Zhengfei tells CNBC exclusively that the Chinese tech giant hopes to keep doing business with Google but is biding its time on the US blacklist.
2: We want to cooperate more with Google, and Google wants it too. The only problem is if the US government would approve it. Whether we have the approval depends on what happens on November the 19th.
3: IPO meltdown. Shares in fitness startup Peloton dies in the company's market debut, while talent at agency Endeavor pulls its close as nearly half of this year's IPOs trade below their offer price.
1: our top story. There are new details in the controversy surrounding a phone call made by President Trump to Ukrainian counterpart Volodymyr Zelensky. Documents from a whistleblower complaint claimed that White House officials moved to, quote, lock down all records of the conversation, including the verbatim transcript. The complaint adds that details from the call were placed into a classified electronic storage system reserved for information of a, quote, especially sensitive nature. The president is alleged to have offered military aid to the Ukrainian leader in exchange for an investigation into a democratic rival. President Trump has denied any wrongdoing in the face of rising pressure from House Democrats who have launched an impeachment inquiry. The president hit out at Democrats after the release of
0: the complaint my call was perfect the president yesterday of ukraine said there was no pressure put on him whatsoever none whatsoever and he said it loud and clear for the press what these guys are doing democrats are doing to this country is a disgrace and it shouldn't be allowed there should be a way of stopping it maybe legally through the courts but they're going to tie up our country
1: Meanwhile, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff responded to the whistleblower's claims, saying they give direction to the impeachment inquiry.
4: I think the complaint gives us a pretty good roadmap of allegations that we need to investigate. There is a um, whole host of people, apparently, who have knowledge of these events uh, that the whistleblower makes reference to. Now, we don't know how many or any uh, of them that have already been interviewed by the Inspector General. We will be having a subsequent hearing with the inspector general, which we have requested, so that we can determine what he was able to find in his preliminary investigation.
1: Well, let's get out to Steve for more from Kiev. Steve, we've seen details from that nine-page complaint from the whistleblower, a CIA officer and former White House employee. What do you make of the claims that we've seen detailed so far?
0: Well, I I think at the moment um, there are still questions about the source and who exactly it was, of course, as well. Um, But the fact remains, of course, that I am here in Kiev, exactly 7,828 kilometres away, 7,828 kilometres away from Washington, D.C. And yet this country, this town, is at the centre of claims and concerns regarding uh impeachment processes and due process and 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 actually what the president has done and hasn't done that may or may not be lawful as well and of course huge counter allegations going on why kiev let's just remind our viewers why ukraine as well basically This is a country which has been, of course, uh, at the center of huge seismic events post-Soviet here as well. Then we saw the Euromaidan, which ousted Viktor Yanukovych, who was seen as a Russian puppet. Then a more pro-Western government of Petro Poroshenko came in as well. But during the Poroshenko years, there were questions uh, about uh, corruption in the country. There were questions, of course, from the U.S. as well about whether uh, information that came from this country actually worked to the detriment of the president of the U.S., with the Paul Manafort issue as well, with the Robert Mueller investigation as well. So the president, Mr. Trump, has real concerns about information that is coming from Ukraine and, uh, according to some reports, has made it a bit of an obsession of his and hence why Rudy Giuliani, his personal lawyer, has got involved trying to investigate, uh, one, whether the Robert Mueller investigation had its sources in this country with servers based in this country, and two, whether there was wrongdoing or not from Hunter Biden and, uh, of course, Joe Biden, which is at the centre of these accusations here of course at the moment there is absolutely no wrongdoing being seen uh, by either of those gentlemen all the allegations have so far proven uh, not to have any evidence but it hasn't stopped the president trying to probe whether there is information to come out to be extracted out of ukraine as well which brings us to the 25th of july phone call as well uh, which this whistleblower was so concerned about and of course um, the whistleblower uh, went through all the right channels according to all the authorities as well. As Joseph Maguire said, the whistleblower did the right thing uh, and basically went through all the right processes. But why did uh, Joseph Maguire, who is the acting head of national intelligence, delay uh, the, uh, the, the transmitting of the details of the whistleblower claim uh, to Congress as well? Well, let's listen in to what Joseph Maguire had to say in that very heated, lengthy exchange yesterday. I want to make it clear that I have upheld my responsibility to follow the law every step of the way in the matter that is before us today. I want to also state my support for the whistleblower and rights and the laws. Now, you mentioned there, Karen, what Adam Schiff said, of course, that it was a classic uh, organized crime shakedown, so to speak, as well. Uh, Mr. Noons, who, of course, is the Republican uh, representative on the committee as well, said this is warfare versus the present. And you heard, of course, the comments from the president as well, who said there was absolutely nothing wrong with the phone call as well. But going back to the roots of it, the accusation is that military aid was frozen the week before that 25th of July phone call because Um, the president again the allegation the president wanted to exert undue influence on Ukraine to investigate the Bidens as well and investigate why two prosecutors who had been looking at the Burisma holdings group that uh, Hunter Biden had worked for as well uh, why those investigations were no longer ongoing and hadn't gone uh, any further as well the accusation was met of course in uh, one point by the president saying look I I I wanted to hold this money back uh, because the Europeans weren't coming up with their side of the bargain. Well, very interesting looking at what the Europeans have done versus the US uh, for this country since 2014 uh, and Germany would bridle those accusations especially because they have given uh, aid. Of course, there's been a limited amount of military assistance from Europe as well, but there's also been a free trade agreement with the Ukrainian uh, government as well, which of course the Europeans will say the Americans haven't followed through and we have free trade, you don't, plus we've had $16 billion worth uh, of loan guarantees, which is way more uh, than the U.S has delivered as well. So that makes it slightly awkward uh, defence for the president saying that the US was doing a lot more than the Europeans. The other point, of course, is is what it means for Mr Zelensky here in this country. Zelensky was elected president uh, in March and April. He had a very successful parliamentary elections uh, in the summer as well to consolidate his position here. He was elected, uh, as our viewers will know by now, because he's not part of the political establishment here. He's a newcomer. He was actually an actor from a television uh, series as well. But he is seen as a new broom. Uh, brought in uh, to sweep away corruption, to reform the economy, uh, and indeed to sort out relations with Russia as well. With, is it going to damage him here in the country? Well, the people I've been speaking to on the ground here say no, not yet. He's, he's still seen as a new broom. And actually, people are slightly bemused by events uh, that are going on over in Washington and how they can have ramifications for this country. But will it damage relations uh, with some of the key donors, key partners, such as Germany as well? Of course, in that transcript of the conversation as well, President Trump is seen, criticizing Germany uh, and Mr. Zelensky is seen as agreeing with some of those criticisms and uh, perhaps Frau Merkel will not be too happy uh, about that stance from Mr. Zelensky as well. So it may make some, some awkward conversations between Berlin and Kiev as well. But as far as uh, events are concerned everybody here of course just looking with a degree of amusement at the political process we're seeing uh, over in Washington.
3: Indeed, uh, underscoring the fact that it's very much a U.S. uh, problem at this point. Steve, thank you for the coverage uh, live from Kiev. And just to pick up on that story, we did have Wall Street end up in the red yesterday after that whistleblower complaint uh, was published. And uh, as Steve just highlighted, accusing the U.S. president of looking for foreign interference in uh, their own domestic affairs. So markets reacted quite negatively once that report came out. The Dow ended the session about three-tenths of a percentage point weaker. S&P down about a quarter of a percentage point and Nasdaq down about six tenths as well tech coming under a little bit of pressure one name in particular we were looking at there was Facebook this after a Reuters report that the Department of Justice are also looking to launch uh, an antitrust investigation into that company as well that's uh, after Google uh, a couple of weeks ago so that's one name in particular we're looking at it also was a busy day for IPOs we just mentioned the Peloton IPO I just want to draw your attention there because that stock closed down 11% On its debut day in the market, after the IPO, and that brings uh, the total listings of IPO this year, 48% of them are now trading below their offer price in the U.S., so more than half, uh, less than half, I should say, are trading below the offer price. Very heavy start for Peloton in trading. Uh, But overnight, we did have some news that there could potentially be a meeting uh, between China and U.S. as soon as October 10 and 11. This, according to CNBC sources, gave a little bit of boost uh, overnight to markets initially, but you can see by the end of the session, we have the Shanghai basically closing around Flattish. This after some weak data there, as the profits at China's industrial firms declined 2% for the month of August. So putting a little bit of pressure on the Chinese index. Hang Seng also closing, or t- as we head to the close, down about three tenths of a percentage point. And then Nikkei also trading very heavy overnight. Down 1.3%. Again, risk-off sentiment prevailing in the overnight session and Asia, as there's still a lot of cert- uncertainty when it comes to the trading outlook between US and China, whether or not those meetings or potential meetings in October could actually yield anything. Switching on to Europe, yesterday surprisingly we actually ended the day up in the green, and you can see that this morning we've got all of the majors in Europe pointed to open up positively as well. CAC 40, DAX, FTSE all seen opening up positively. It is a crucial end to the week for European indices, have been trading very, very heavy for the most part. And today we'll see whether or not they can actually manage to end the week with a gain. We're very close to that around the flat line for the week as it is. Karen. It's
1: been a big week in the news game and a big week for markets. Coming up on the show, Huawei CEO says the company is considering licensing its technology to a US company and that it hopes to strengthen ties with Google. You can hear our exclusive interview after the break. And
3: also ahead, we'll hear exclusively from the CEO of Google Cloud and find out why his company is not feeling the impact of the trade dispute.
2: A CNBC signature event.
1: U.S.-China trade talks are set to resume on the 10th of October, according to CNBC sources. Vice Premier Li He will lead the Chinese delegation for two days of talks in Washington, D.C. That's after Beijing's top diplomat said the country was willing to buy more U.S. products and that he hoped both sides could take, quote, enthusiastic measures to show goodwill and reduce pessimistic language.
3: Meanwhile, Chinese industrial profits fell 2% in August after an uptick in July earnings. It comes as domestic weakness and US trade tensions weighed on the manufacturing sector. Some of the hardest hit areas this year include fuel processing industries and paper manufacturing. And Huawei's flagship Mate 30 smartphone went on sale on Thursday, but it's the Chinese tech giant's first device without licensed Google apps. And Arjun joins us in Shenzhen. And Arjun, we were talking about this yesterday, but there's also been a report overnight suggesting that the US is unlikely to extend a waiver allowing American firms to continue to supply Huawei. How is that affecting their outlook from here?
4: Well, that's uh, very bad news, of course, for Huawei. And just to set the context there, of course, Huawei on this blacklist in the US, which restricts its access to American technology. And that includes Google's Android operating system. And this Mate 30 has come uh, launched uh, without licensed Google apps in international markets. But I'm hearing one of Huawei's Shenzhen stores, Um, it's a brand new store and I've been walking around here and about half an hour ago it was packed with customers. I was looking at what they were buying and they were primarily buying or at least picking up the pre-ordered Mate 30 Pro. That's the more expensive version of Huawei's uh, flagship uh, device. And so that will bode good news and I think that underlined the point here that in the Chinese market, the fact that Huawei doesn't have access to the Google license isn't a problem because Google's products and um, uh, services have been blocked here for several years and the Chinese consumers aren't actually that used to them however in the international markets is where they actually might struggle many consumers there are used to using the Google Apps and not having or not getting an extension of that license will spell bad news for Huawei in those international markets our colleague uh, Christine Tan had a chance to catch up with Huawei CEO and founder Ren Zhengfei yesterday at Huawei's headquarters um, in Shenzhen and asked them a little bit about the strategy uh, behind the smartphones but also about Harmony OS, Huawei's own operating system, and whether if Huawei can't get access to Google Android in the long term, whether they will consider using that on their smartphones. Let's listen in to what he had to say.
2: We won't replace Android because we support the development of Android. Google is a very good company and we want to enhance cooperation with them. If Hongmen gets to develop its ecosystem, it would be a good complement instead of a replacement.
1: I understand you want to keep your relationship with Google, but does Hongman OS have the potential to replace Android Google should you choose to develop it further as an alternative mobile operating system?
2: First of all, we want to cooperate more with Google, and Google wants it too. The only problem is if the US government would approve it. Whether we have the approval depends on what happens on November 19th. We hope that the U.S. can approve that we continue our friendly cooperation with Android. I'm sure it's not about capability, as we are definitely capable of achieving what we want to do.
1: For now, you've gone ahead anyway, and you've launched your latest handset. mate 30 even though you don't have the full suite of google apps why do it why launch a new handset in the midst of all this uncertainty
2: Because the Mate 30 has a lot of functions that would attract many customers. Whether people would accept our product without Android system installed, I need to test. They expect the number of Mate 30 sold to be around 20 million. We'll wait and see if people are actually willing to pay for our Mate 30 system, if people can accept us without the Android system.
1: Just out of curiosity, did you bother to test Hongmen? On May 30?
2: Not for
4: now. So Run Jung-fei there um, very clearly wanting to stick with Google in the long-term Google Android. And that's because, of course, Google has built this huge ecosystem of apps, developers and services. And that's why it and, of course, Apple's iOS has been successful. Trying to replicate that and making a brand new operating system from scratch with all the apps and bringing all those developers is not an easy task. But I would say, look, it's not all doom and gloom for the company. We've got to put this in context. In the first half of the year, you saw revenues were up over 26% year on year. It's still one of the larger smartphone makers in the world, but of course, Lots of black clouds are hanging over Huawei right now in the form of this US blacklist and the ongoing US-China trade war. Guys, back to you. A
1: terrific story and of course the connectivity to 5G are front and centre for this device and the learning that the Chinese can have on the back of that connectivity. Arjun, thank you very much for bringing us the story. Major protests are expected in Hong Kong this weekend as the city marks the fifth anniversary of the umbrella movement. The pro-democracy protests that brought the central business district to a standstill in 2014. That says the Chinese terror the leadership attempts to quell the current crisis with public dialogue. Let's get up to Sherry for more in Hong Kong. Sherry, this uh, listening tour, the, the public conversation that Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam has been having, very similar to the strategy that Emmanuel Macron used on the back of the Yellow Vest protest to, to go across the country and listen to some of those very angry comments in a, a civilized forum. What's it going to mean for this weekend, though? Is we're expecting more demonstrations?
5: Well, let me just give you a little bit of gauge of where Hong Kong protesters stand after yesterday's dialogue. Carrie Lam, after wrapping up her two and a half hour public or open dialogue with Hong Kong people, she was actually stuck in that building for four hours because the protesters were blocking the area surrounding the building because they feel like they didn't really see Carrie Lam coming forward and making any concessions. So that's really the setup. For tomorrow, the fifth year anniversary of, of course, uh, the Umbrella Movement, or the start of the 2014 Umbrella Movement, Carrie Lam, yes, her message was that she is listening, and that's something that she needed to do to cool things down, but she was not able to offer any major concessions, and uh, she was basically reiterating her initial stance when it comes to independent inquiry, for example, and also characterizing the protesters earlier, this as a rioters and uh, take a listen to what she had to say in terms of this framework of one country, two
3: systems. We hope to work with youngsters in Hong Kong, but if Hong Kong wants to maintain one country, two systems, it's not autonomy, sorry. Hong Kong autonomy is not one country, two systems. So I think we need to be clear that we have a bottom line. Youngsters should also have a bottom line. If you break the law, you will need to bear the consequence. That is also why, within the five demands, there are some that aren't acceptable.
5: So there we go. Carrie Lam basically saying that we are at a bottom line and there will be no more concessions that the government will be making. In the meantime, as we've been talking about, yes, Hong Kong is bracing for yet another weekend of major showdown because it's the fifth year anniversary of the start of the 2014 Occupy Central umbrella movement tomorrow. And the organizer behind the million strong marches earlier this year has received a no objection letter from the police, so uh, we are expecting a number of uh, protesters to gather once again because there is that uh, common denominator from five years ago and this year, really calling for more democracy, more autonomy for Hong Kong, and uh, really the idea of uh, you know wanting to protect. Hong Kong's special status as well. And of course, that uh, this is a nice lead up to China's national day next Tuesday, the 70th anniversary of the People's Republic of China, a very special occasion that the central government of China
1: wants to really flaunt perhaps its sovereign state power. Guys, back to you. Uh, thank you very much for that, Sherry. Meantime activist and pro-democracy party leader Joshua Wong played a crucial part in both sets of protests. Emily Tan spoke to him just moments ago and started by asking him, what has changed?
6: Five years ago, 200,000 Hong Kongers took to the street with our calls on free election, which result in the election system unchanged. But now we are back with even stronger determination with more than two million people join our protest to let President Xi aware that it's time to let Hong Kong people enjoy universal suffrage. And I think how the larger support scale that we receive compared to five years ago, which show the crackdown of human rights just results in more people continue to talk to the street with solidarity.
3: Now, there is some differences between then and now, and the fact that it's leaderless is one. The fact that it's gotten very much more destructive, uh, destroying parts of Hong Kong, vandalism and violence. Why is that?
6: Leaderless movement, which means that protesters and citizens have more self-initiative and organic way to continue to engage in the movement. And for vandalism, a force has been used by protesters. None of them randomly or indiscriminately attack on ordinary citizens. And all vandalism is targeted the communist regime. And we are just demanding the fundamental rights that Beijing promised in the Sino-British Joint Declaration, which means free election.
3: Recently, you have just come back from some overseas trips. Uh, Most notable is the one to the United States where you met with the U.S. lawmakers uh, in discussions of the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. Why did you feel it was necessary to go overseas? And uh, if you will, this is international interference, some may say.
6: One country, two system is the promise of Beijing in the legal binding international treaty, which means Sino-British Joint Declaration. When one country two system eroded to be one country one and a half system, it's the time for international community monitor of the implementation of the joint declaration, and that's why I believe U.S., U.K. and country around the world within the United Nations they must have a say on Hong Kong future, how to safeguard Hong Kong political and economic freedom.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com.